Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. You like that? You like that? Come on! Football! Football. Mm, yeah, it's that time of year. It's that time of year. What's yeah. that, Rick? What's Rick saying? Hey, uh, hey, Rick, uh, what do you think about the Vikings' backup quarterback situation? <laughs> hmm. Vikings GM Rick Spielman. Rick, you ever consider uh, maybe buttoning one more button on that shirt? <laughs> no? Okay. How about that Cousins contract, Rick? What's your feeling on that right now? <laughs> it's training camp time, kicking off around the NFL and around the NFC North, so we're going around the North this week. Leroy Butler will join us to talk some Packers at 5 o'clock tomorrow, but joining us now to talk about the defending NFC North champion Chicago Bears from 670 The Score in Chicago, co-host of Bernstein and McKnight. He's the McKnight half of that. Connor McKnight joins us now. Connor, how are you this afternoon? Oh, it's doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime, man. Uh, I think both my cohorts here, and I don't think they're the only ones of the uh, quote-unquote pundits around the country talking uh, talking NFL football, who see the Bears as a candidate to take a step back from what they did last year. Is there any fear of that in Chicago right now, Connor? Oh, absolutely. I, I think as, as excited as people got about Matt Nagy, about 12-4, and four, or even about Mitchell Trubisky at times, though it was dicey some weeks, I think there's a sense of realism baked into this coming season. You know, you win a division like the Bears did, you win it kind of going away, and your schedule increases. You are less likely to be as healthy as the Bears were last year, so that takes a, a tick off the old thing. And then you've, you've just got, I think teams, you know, essentially playing better. I, I don't know that you can count on the complete and utter dysfunction that the Packers were last season. They've got to be just a little bit better, and they still have that Aaron Rodgers fellow. And for my money... I, I think the Vikings and Kirk Cousins could be a little bit better than they were last season, and, and maybe he won't let everything unravel the moment he has a defender breathing down his neck. So, I, yeah, I, I think there is an absolute um, possibility that um, that regression is, is in the offing for the Bears, uh, but I do think even still they're probably the most talented team in this division up and down. Why do you think Matt – is is so intent on on constantly talking about and, and trying to remind his players and the fans about about the failures from a 2018 season that was largely successful. And does that make you concerned? Because it just seems weird to me that so many things that I've read out of the Bears over the past few months have been Matt Nagy basically focusing on uh, the doink doink, 
the failure against Philadelphia when there was really a lot that went well? It is weird. I mean, no doubt about it, it is weird. And I think, you know, if, if I'm not having my guess, it's that Matt Nagy feels, and I think the Bears feel on the heels of 12-4, and four, that if they seize the weird and make it theirs, then you and I and fans can't take the weird from them. You know what I mean? Like, if they're steering the wheel of this car that's on fire, which is the Bears' kicking situation right now, they're at least in charge of where the firebound car is going. I mean, they don't have a kicker right now. I mean, it's, they, they don't have one. The guy who's as likely to make the next field goal for the Bears in the regular season is probably on some other roster, or he's you. Like, it, 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 they just don't have a guy. So I think... By steering into this, by controlling it some, Matt Nagy feels as though this is the most comfortable way to, to address it. Like, you know, if you, if you change the color of the elephant in the room, then you can talk about how you've changed the color. And it looks a different elephant, but the elephant's still there. That's <laughs> Connor McKnight from 670 The Score in Chicago. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new score. Now. So the, the Bears historically are fascinating to me. When you look at most franchises, like take the Vikings, for instance. When the Vikings pop up, they can do it with purple people leader defense, or they can do it with historically great offense in the late 90s. There's different, over the course of 50 plus years, when franchises pop up, usually there's different layers to how they pop up. And the Bears, it feels like, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, every time they pop up, it's great defense, ugly to mediocre offense, and a quarterback that you're just hoping doesn't screw it all up. Like, have, am I missing an era of Bears football? And Rami, you've grown up a Bears fan mm-hmm. too. Where like the Bears came at you with a meh defense and an aerial attack. You know, like never in my life watching the Bears no. has it been a different formula. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. Uh, you're not forgetting some sort of uh, <laughs> strange alternate universe uh, quarterback that happened for the Bears. I mean, this, the most. I'll tell you, the, the, and, and there was there was a level of excitement for Matt Nagy in his first season, like no doubt about it. But it was a lot of, you know, can Mitch play? Is the offense going to work? Do you have pieces? Is Allen Robinson healthy? All this stuff. Other other than this optimism that Bears fans hold right now for the offense, it was, it was like nine seconds uh, before Jay Cutler got memed into smoking Jay Cutler. Where, <laughs> oh, God, Mark, Mark Tressman and Jay Cutler and – and Bennett, and they're gonna, and then it all fell apart because, because Cutler broke his wrist and Mark Trestman turned out to be a really weird guy who knew how to say offense, but not so much coaching. So yeah, that's, that's how the Bears have been their, their entirety, the entirety of their hundred years as a franchise. They're celebrating that this season and, you know, they hope to actually have a, a competent and, and, uh, full of potential quarterback inside a system of a, of a coach that actually really does know offense. I think of all the things, I, I say I think I know about the Bears going in is that I trust Matt Nagy and, and his offensive prowess to make sure that if Mitch sucks, that he sucks the least as possible, least as possible, and, and that it is still an offense that makes sure this defense gets the wins it deserves. But Connor, and, and Phil just alluded to it, I think you know it because we've crossed paths in the past in my previous stop in Milwaukee. I'm a Bears fan, so I read up a lot on my team. I, I listen to your station from time to time for, for some Bears talk from up here in Minnesota. How much of the hype about Mitchell Trubisky this offseason should I be buying about how much work he put in, that he was just in Matt Nagy's playbook or on a practice field with his teammates nonstop all offseason, and he's ready to make that jump? How much should I buy that? How much do you buy that? Well, if if you're hype-sipping, I'm going to leave that on you, my man. <laughs> uh, don't put... 
Don't put that on me. But you can. I mean, the kid has put in the work. I mean, he is borderline obsessed with it, which is fine. You know, quarterbacks around the league have that. I think it takes a special strange breed to become an NFL quarterback. Um, But at the same time, he has immersed himself in the playbook. He has, you know, kind of glued himself to Matt Nagy's hip as as much as Matt's allowed that. He does have a family and everything. But that's, that's absolutely something he's invested in. I think, though, you know, if you look at Tate, and, and I already have, Mitch Trubisky has missed wide-open receivers when the pocket has been clean. He's missed wide-open receivers when he's had somebody sitting on his head. You know, and uh, the, the one is understandable. If, if you've got somebody literally weighing on you or uh, some Viking safety coming down a little late, then, then yeah, okay, you're going you're gonna to maybe miss a throw. But it's the wide open stuff that you cannot miss in the NFL. You guys know that, mm-hmm. and and that that's what still has, I think, a lot of a lot of national quarterback watchers looking a little side eyed at Mitch Trubisky because those things cannot go wrong this year. If you know, like we talked about at the beginning of the hit, like if some of the things that went their way last year, just in the course of playing football, you know, being healthy, having a last place schedule, all these kinds of things, you know, you, you can't afford those little things on the margin, missing wide open receivers to go wrong. Defense is how good, and is the scheme, or are things changing at, at all with the former coordinator now gone uh, to become head coach of the Broncos? Yeah, great question, and, and it is one that we're all going to have to watch. It is going to change some. Um, terminology has changed, and, and with a couple of different players like Hawk Clinton Dix and Buster Screen as the uh, safety and uh, slot corner combo that's changing over last year, there's a little bit of a different personnel, but it is a, it's much the same as last season in terms of, I, I guess you term it in terms of playmaking, playmaking possibilities. Chuck Pagano is known as a, a little bit more aggressive uh, defensive coordinator than Vic Fangio was last season. So I, I would expect, you know, maybe you see cornerback blitzes a, a little bit more often. Maybe you see um, if, if Eddie Jackson and Hawk Clinton Dix are, are really playing together well, and, and obviously Clinton Dix is healthy. Maybe you see somebody come down um, from a safety spot and blitz more often than you saw last year. But, you know, the preference of Pagano and every defensive coordinator is to get pressure with four. And when you've got 52 breathing fire, then that helps that happen. So I, I don't think he's so insane that he, that he can't see what he's got in, in a magnificent and potential Hall of Famer in Khalil Mack. Um, but I think he will get a little... Um, I don't know, experimental, I guess, with uh, with some opportunities he's got in front of him. Hey, uh, Connor, how's our guy Lovey Smith doing down there with the Illini? He looks he, he looks like he aged 10 years with the beard that <laughs> he showed up to <laughs> media day with. He has. You could hang, like, Christmas ornaments and stuff. In it. <laughs> and, like, he, he might be doing that. I, I don't, I mean, like, I, Lovey, Lovey's such a strange, well, I, I shouldn't say it's on Lovey. I mean, this is on Illinois and, and the higher, I mean, in, like, why? You know, I mean, if you just wanted to hire a guy to hang out for three days a week in Champagne, I I've got spare time. I I don't know that that's necessarily. It has helped the recruiting class coming in this year. It does sound like there are actual football players that want to be there instead of Lovey taking you know kicking guys out left and right. Um, but it is it is an odd odd hire. There's no doubt about it. Connor, since uh, we're off the Bears, one last question for you. When do you think Twins fans should expect the White Sox to be a real problem in the AL Central? Do they make that jump next year? Um, I I think they will be 
in the in the NL Central, the Reds did a lot of investment into their pitching infrastructure this last offseason, and they're still kind of a dog breath team, but they're not taken for granted right now. It's not like three easy wins anytime you, you bounce into Cincinnati, and I expect that kind of turnaround for the White Sox next year. Um, they're going to have to they're going to have to juggle a lot of of hurt pitchers coming back into the rotation, which is really difficult to do if you're doing it all at the same time. But I, I think, you know, Nick Madrigal, I think Luis Robert are all going to be up at some point next season. That makes this team a lot more talented. And, and while I, I love, love everything the Twins have done under that new front office and how they've evaluated and managed their pitching, I absolutely love what they've done, and that team is fantastic. Um, I do think that that White Sox team is going to look a lot less like a pushover next year and, and really have something uh, for the Twins in, in 2021. Speaking of baseball, is Joe Madden back with the Cubs in 2020? So, but I but I don't imagine it would take it would take quite something for that decision to get made this year. Okay, I just you know the, the, I can't say that the writing is necessarily on the wall, but look, you've, you've got a World Series manager making six million dollars a year, and and there just aren't many guys like him in baseball anymore. If he doesn't have the contract now and he didn't have it last month and the month before that, I, I think it's, you know, I think the, the mathematics on that isn't that hard. I, I don't think he comes back. That's Connor McKnight, 670 The Score in Chicago. Follow him on Twitter. C1 McKnight is the handle. Connor, appreciate the time, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, anytime, fellas. All right. You said C1 McKnight? At C1 McKnight. You're yes. just going to go troll him? I'm going to go follow you're him. Gonna slide his, you're going to slide, slide his, his DMs? DMs? Because if you do, I'm <laughs> guessing Rami has too, which would mean apparently you're Twitter Eskimo brothers, according he does, to Rami. He follows me. Yes. <laughs> That's just so uncomfortable. There right you get ghosted. <laughs> it's going to be a whole thing. Uh, if you missed it, the twins, the twins said goodbye to two more you're relievers now? today. <laughs> you up? You up? Blake Parker, we hardly knew you. After getting shelled last night and uh, helping to blow that game, he's no longer on the Twins roster. He was DFA'd today. Cole Stewart was sent back to AAA, where uh, he hasn't gotten anyone out of AAA either this year. His ERA is like eight at AAA. And Buxton still not back tonight. And now, I guess, uh, Rocco said today, we're going to get an update on Buxton when the Twins get to Chicago. I think my right that down might be safe, gentlemen. I think it might be you August think he 1st. sits another week? Well, this is, I, I don't he's know what this guy trip. Right, he's on the trip, so you would think it's close, wouldn't you? I think he plays. I want my write that down to be right at this point. So I really don't care what you guys say. <laughs> I'm in, not listening to you guys anymore. In other news, coming up when we come back, and more twins talk. Roycey coming up. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. First time to talk to my guy, Mister Money Talks. Velocity, the ball was absolutely annihilated. Two and one to Kepler. A drive to the gap in left center field. Hicks. What a catch to end the game. Do you believe it? Oh my goodness. Aaron Hicks with the catch of the year. And they'll try to do it again tonight, put on the same theatrics as the last couple nights at Target Field, and they'll do it without Max Kepler. i got a lineup for you guys if you're yeah, let's hear interested before we get to in other news. 
Mitch Garver leading off, playing catcher. Jorge Polanco at shortstop, batting second. Nelson Cruz in the three spot at DH. Eddie Rosario in left. Miguel Sano at first base again. Marwin Gonzalez in right field. Luis Arise playing third base. Thank I like you. that. I like that move a lot. That's the good move. That's the good move. Third base. <laughs> Luis Arise at third base. That's the good yeah. move. Well, you know how. Well, let me go through the lineup and then I got yeah. got an idea for you guys. Yeah. Hat tip to uh to social media Seth for this, but Jonathan Scope at second base and then Jay Cave in center field. So you know how the Yankees have Aaron Judge and they've got All Rise yeah. right, and they've got T-shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. What about all rise. And Rami just goes huh? around as the official guy to say it. I mean, they could just record me and use me yeah, on the PA system in Target I Field. Feel I'd be, authorize that. I feel it, it'd be more apropos if you actually physically showed up at every place his name had to be announced. I'd do that for the right price. I know you would. Yeah, absolutely. Bring your my pillow. Take a little yeah. nap. <laughs> hey, Rami, time to wake up for your, your my pillow nap. Okay. Probably go better than the softball. Contest, so you know that, that would go well. Oh, wow. You know what? Hey, I went over three yesterday in my game, so if it, it's any consolation you know, prize. Right, but did you talk it up for like two weeks talking about you're going to destroy the, way, the other team? <laughs> something occurred to me in my car ride home Monday after we talked about my home run derby. Judd, when we were teasing, hey, we're going to talk about Robbie and how he did in the home run derby. Judd said, I'm going to compliment him. But also, you have no chance. The compliment never came. Oh, no, I never said. never followed through on the tease. What was the compliment? After you swung and missed twice and looked completely hapless, <laughs> you re- no, you rebounded and hit some nice line drives, okay. which is not simple. Which is not. I, I understand. I never ripped you because I don't have the guts to do that because I know that there's a good chance I wouldn't make contact. <laughs> and you made contact. I didn't. I honestly, when, when you swung and missed twice, I thought, "Am I right that down?" By the so, way, somebody booed me on my first swing and miss. Who's boo- who's booing the guy? Was it, was it TC Bear from no, the no. Someone from the crowd? No, somebody girl, from the crowd girlfriend. booed me on my first swing and miss. She I was probably like, saw you stunk. Who's who's even paying attention to this? It, to is, boo me. it is embarrassing to swing and miss in slow pitch softball. It's you know quick it's, question. It's embarrassing. La- it's bad pitch. Last night, does Buxton have to dive to catch the ball that Hicks caught? No, he no no. Nor does the there's there was a ball that fell in front of Kepler late in the game too. There was that Buxton catches. There was like three oh, three been, plays in that game. We could uh, uh, from the start of this homestand against the Mets, we could track at least five plays, um, throws and or balls that Max didn't catch. Yeah, that Buxton has a very good chance to either throw the guy out at home plate or mix the catch without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. Here's another. This is off of something Pat said last night, Roycey. So. If you had your full allotment of Twins outfielders, fully healthy, Byron Buxton, center field, you got Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario, yep. would Aaron Hicks be your fourth outfielder? Probably, yeah. He'd be your fourth outfielder. Now he would be, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? Okay, to take that a step, let's say that Hicks had been allowed to develop here and had developed in center, and when Buxton comes up, he takes that spot. Would Max Kepler be your first baseman right now? Hmm. Because Aaron Hicks would in right field would not be bad. Aaron Hicks could play first base too. Okay, but my point is, would if, I like this alternate dimension we're exploring? Well, no, but but <laughs> if they hadn't made the the godforsaken John Ryan Murphy trade, John Ryan Murphy could play some first base. Oh, no, stop! <laughs> this John show, Ryan Murphy. This man. show has what gone John sideways Ryan Murphy so many times. Is John Ryan Murphy still playing did, in the minor leagues? Did you see leagues? Perk's tweet? No. When, when Hicks when Hicks hit the home run. That looked like it was going to give the Yankees the win. 
Perk tweeted something along the lines of, well, the Twins acquired John Ryan Murphy because he, he hit a key home run, which I was there for, at Target Field off Perk, who was trying to close out a That's game. That's right. And so Perk basically said, this loss on me. Yeah, the Twins saw him hit oh, a I didn't home run off Glenn Perkins. Yeah. Yeah, so he he that has actually way, played. John Ryan Murphy has played twenty five games for Arizona. Didn't they let him go? Probably he was, him down? He, he was batting one seventy seven. Yeah, I think they finally. I think he's they in might... AAA right now in Reno. Okay, I'm sure he's having Flugging fun. Flogging four fifty nine. Look out! The last time at any level, including the minor leagues, he spent a lot of time in the minor leagues the last few years. The last time he hit higher than two thirty eight was with the Yankees in two thousand fifteen. <laughs> hmm. That trade didn't work out too well. Anyways, yeah, mm-hmm. let's move on. All right, good. Yeah, Judd, do you think the show was off the rails up until now? Now it's really going off the rails. Here we go. Run it's the middle show. of the week, middle of the show, where we like to take a break from the hard hitting sports talk we bring you here on Score North for some of the more weird and wacky news from around the world. And when I say around the world, I mean around the world, like Malvern, Worcester, England, where this headline. Okay, if you have kids in the car, come back in like three minutes. This is an R rate. This is an R rated. <laughs> you already brought up Eskimo Brothers. That's true, but they don't know what that means. This is pretty straightforward. Headline reads Swinger suffers heart attack at sex festival after, quote, pushing herself too hard. Now, that, that happens. Now, that's the, <laughs> now, when you hear that or read that headline, you have a certain idea in your mind of what they mean by pushing herself too hard, right? A female swinger reportedly had a heart attack at Europe's largest sex festival after pushing herself too hard during group activities. Now, when I say group activities, again, you have something you have something in mind. You have an image, you have a, a story, things. you have yeah. a picture in mind. The 52-year-old swinger is said to have suffered a medical episode during the secretive Swing Fields Festival in Malvin, Worcester on Friday. An air ambulance rushed the reveler to the hospital. Quick, quick, like, can you imagine being on the medical staff <laughs> that like drives up or flies in whatever yeah, however it is that you get to this helicopter you helicopter yeah, in and should there's be just on like site? 40 naked an, people an Wait, air, is it, is an it like air 40? ambulance how many naked people are there um let me see was it in here I don't know if they had those details in here. Many naked people. I'll check a little later in the story. An air ambulance rushed the reveler to the hospital where she underwent emergency treatment and stayed as an inpatient for at least two days. It is believed the woman suffered a heart attack after participating in group activities at the festival, which hosted a raunchy tug of war and jelly wrestling. That's what they meant by group activities a tug of war and jelly wrestling. Now, I don't know about you guys. But, like, for me, just doing the deed is usually plenty, almost always plenty, and more than enough. It's not enough that you're at a swinger festival. You got to throw in games. You got to throw in a tug of war and a jelly wrestling what do event. You, can I just, are they playing tug of war with a rope or I would, I, something else? <laughs> I found the you were website. Right. It's more off the track than it was before, Rami. <laughs> a festival source told the Sun the swinger had a heart attack when the medics were on site. It gave the 700 swingers present a bit of a shock. There's the answer to your question, Mackie. But it didn't take too long for the fun and games to resume. She's now had a stent fitted in one of her blocked arteries and is making a recovery. They got right back down to business. The air ambulance left. They put a stent in this lady, and everybody went right back to business. Amazing. I found the ticket page 
Yeah. How and much would you guys get? Waiting. All right, on our waiting. All right, yeah. you've got you've got the, there's the early bird special. Oh, nice. Okay, these are three day packages, by uh-huh. the way, and that's an unfor- unfortunate word to use when describing a three the day package. <laughs> no, wait, wait, what? What? Um, I'm, I'm gonna try to put this carefully as possible. What comes with that package? <laughs> well, if you, uh, let me read this to you, Judd. You open the door, Rami. Yeah, come on, I want to hear it. A three day couples ticket. Okay. If you, I'm just gonna read, that. I don't know what. Uh, if you're already verified on Fab Swingers, then all you need to do is book. I don't know what Fab Swingers is. Oh, but sure you don't. If you're not verified, <laughs> you can email. How much would you guys guess a three-day couple's ticket is, an individual ticket? I'm going to say seven fifty per person. Far less. You can get into this party for far less. Really? 215 euros, which is it's up close to $215 around that. Well, that's a good part. deal. That's it? Sign me up. Yeah, sounds great. Bargain basement (laughs) swingers party. Oh, boy. In uh, other news. Yes. (laughs) This is from foxnews.com. Turn the radio back up if the kids are in the car. I think, right, Phil? Yeah, you can. You can. Okay. Yeah. I don't think we're going to top that story. (laughs) You never know. A Seattle man was arrested over the weekend and accused of throwing coffee on a baby. What? Just two days after he'd been released from jail after serving eight months for randomly punching a man. Wait for the statistics here, okay? And you tell me how this is possible. Q13 Fox reported that the suspect, Francisco Calderon, has been convicted of more than 70 crimes. And 14 of those convictions were on assault charges. The station citing witnesses reported Calderon was behaving erratically before the alleged attack near Seattle's Westlake Park. Witnesses said the baby's father tackled him and held him down until police arrived. Uh, He's being held on misdemeanor charges, not on a felony charge of assaulting a child. My question is, how is it possible to get arrested and convicted 70 times and not just be in jail? I don't know, but I mathematically, I, I feel like you're making assumptions or jumping to conclusions because of this guy's track record. My question is, what'd that baby say? What that baby say? That's is, what that I your, know. is that your defense strategy, Rami? <laughs> is, is this the Stephen A. Smith thing? <laughs> Don't you go provoking? Don't you go provoking? Don't do it! Don't do it! We gotta get that baby on babies, the stand. Babies, what did you say? Don't provoke strangers. Kids have no filter, man. They say mean things. They don't even know it. What that baby say? It's a great question. Right? Exactly. You know how many babies called me fat? A lot of the loudest babies can talk, and I'm they not call saying, you fat? I'm not saying I did, did throw coffee at him, but did I want so, to? Somebody had too much caffeine before today's show, and it wasn't me for once. Good Lord. In other news, a 65-year-old man has admitted to making a fake bomb threat in the hope of getting a date with a flight attendant. The Serbian man's telephone call caused... The, the Serbian man's... Exactly. You, you and Cunningham both, Declan. His telephone call... the effort caused Lufthansa's flight LH-1411 to be evacuated on Thursday before its takeoff from Belgrade to Frankfurt. All 130 passengers and five uh, crew had to leave the aircraft while it was searched by a special police squad and sniffer dogs. The man who has not been named had met two flight attendants and invited them for dinner, but they refused his offer. 
He confessed to the hoax in court on Saturday saying he had especially liked one of them, and after he failed to track her down at her hotel, he made a desperate bid to keep her in the country by calling in the bomb threat. The police traced his call after he made the threat, and he was arrested a day later. Yeah, listen, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, man. Shoot your shot, yeah. man. Yeah, I, exactly. I like how Declan just was like, yeah. Yeah. Thought about it. <laughs> thought about it. Because, you know, it's it's not a federal offense or something, Declan. No. Nope. Not scared. News. <laughs> If Declan gets a crush on someone in the building, he's just going to pull the fire alarm. Yeah. So we all have to go out to the parking lot. It's like, then we'll be at the same place, same time. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's dangerously hot across much of the country. Actually, Declan with the assist on uh, finding this story for me. So hot, in fact, that police in Braintree, Massachusetts, are imploring would-be criminals to hold off on illegal activity until Monday. The Braintree Police Department asked the community to put a pin in crime until the heat wave, pass- heat wave passes in a Facebook post on Friday. Quote, it is straight up hot as soccer balls out there, the department wrote in the post, which has racked up more than 106,000 shares since Friday. The department confirmed to CNN Saturday that the post is indeed legit, and uh, it is indeed hot out there. The heat index reached 102 degrees was, over the weekend wow. in Massachusetts. And they could be as high as 115 degrees before the uh, the heat wave passes. Wow. That's just gross. That is. Uh, well, how about here last Friday? Yeah, it was like 120 on Friday. It's hot. I could do without this. It might as well be like 60 below and six feet of snow outside. Because either way, I'm not leaving my apartment. I'm just staying home. Can I say, I'm still on swingfields. Uh, <laughs> Are you going to take vacation next year? We're going to be like, hey, where'd Mackie yeah. go? No, like this weekend. Uh, Ronnie's going to be like, ah, I don't worry about it. Yeah, I got a, I got a, it's a family trip. It's to, uh, going to the Wisconsin Dells. Uh, so Wisconsin Pictures Dells. on his Instagram of tug of war. <laughs> I'm going to read you just a little snippet of this. Please do. Event guide. It's the event guide that sets the framework for. So uh, the question is: Is this an intercourse festival? Yeah, they took the issue main. with it. They yeah. said there's a lot more sex happening at other festivals. It says, let's get the big question addressed. <laughs> no, people have intercourse in a consenting way at all festivals, in hotels, homes, cars, and basically anywhere they choose. This festival is to provide a safe private event focused on the above groups. We don't provide any actual services. We provide the event that guests want, music, facilities, entertainment, comedy, (laughs) food, bars, all fully licensed, and then you can kind of do what you want within that framework is the explanation. Why don't you just fess up to what you're like? Who cares at this point? It's not like I'm like now, well, you know what? This sounds legit to me. It didn't previously. Right. Oh, they have a whole section in this guide for Mm. toilets and showers if you guys are interested. uh, The toilets one, yes. I don't know how that could happen in the toilet. What's on the site exactly? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, Mister Mister Guy would never. No, not the whole like, show. What's that website again? The whole show is going down a swinger rabbit hole. And by That's the way, about if, to happen, if you need a couple twins tickets for tonight's game, we got that too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's Swingers Night at Target Field. Only in the right field section, though. <laughs> last night was definitely Swingers Night in a different way. Oh, I see sixteen what extra well base hits last well night. Played, oh, I like yeah. Well played, sir. Well played. Score North down the this is Declan Goff filling in for Jonathan Harrison. Twins and Yanks close it out tonight. Jake Odorizzi will start for the Twins. Minnesota just put out their lineup. Max Kepler will not be on the field tonight. Jake Cave will start in center. 
Also, the Twins announced that Blake Parker has been DFA'd. He's the fourth bullpen arm to be outrighted off the roster in the last week or so, joining Matt McGill, Alberto Mejia, and Mike Morin. Twins 40-man at 37 players. They have room to make a trade. Singling you out, Derek Falvey. MLB trade deadline is one week from today. Marcus Stroman, Madison Bumgarner, Will Smith, Kirby Yates. There's plenty of options for the Twins to target. Check out scorenorth.com for the latest on the Twins and the rest of the Minnesota sports scene. We wrap with Patrick Royce now on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thank you, Declan. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right, Pat, you want to reminisce about the Blake Parker era? The floor is yours. Well, uh, six weeks after Judd was calling for his uh, dismissal, they finally got around to it. Uh, when you uh, try to digest last night's game, which was an epic uh, contest, uh, you know, he plays, he, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but uh, he screwed the whole thing up as far as the Twins were concerned. It was embarrassing. And in fact, I uh, when I finally woke up this morning, I, I tweeted out a few observations from the game, and one of them was that he was now unusable, and uh, so he's out of here. Uh, Rocco, very upset, uh, telling us what a great guy he was and how much he be missed and, uh, in that clubhouse and all those things. But he had to really be rotten because uh, the guy replacing him, Carlos Torres, well, Smeltzer, you could say, is replacing him, but Carlos Torres is also replacing him, 36 years old, and released earlier this season by the Pitching Rich Detroit Tigers organization. So, uh, hmm. uh, and, 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 you know, what? it also uh, makes you wonder how rotten Cody Allen is <laughs> that, uh, that they've uh, gone to uh, Carlos Torres. Now, maybe Allen had pitched last night or something. I don't know. But anyway, it was, uh, yeah, Blake Parker was a, a horrible disappointment. Uh, you know, they only gave $1.8 million, but they talked him up as though he was going to be a valuable arm in that bullpen, and he was terrible all year. So, Patrick, as a guy who was at Game 1 in 1961 at Met Stadium and has watched this team since then very closely, Put regular season wise, put into context uh, what we saw last night as far as great Twins games that are non playoff related. Well, as I said, I ran into a uh, a, a six week old baby out in the corridor in the third inning, and I saw her after the game, and she was walking. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, it was epic. At some point, it you know you spend half the game saying, "Get it moving here, let's go." And then by the end, it becomes uh, you know something you'll never forget. It was uh, it was in uh, it was it was pretty incredible that the uh, the uh, both teams kept coming back. Uh, that's for sure. I I think uh, among the the most uh, ridiculous things in the whole game was uh, when Taylor Rogers had that Tauschman guy one and two, and he just didn't throw a fastball down the middle of the plate as hard as he could and. Uh, try to get that guy to put the ball in play. Okay, let him get a single. I know he's been getting a bunch of hits, but you cannot walk that guy when you're going to be facing Hicks right-handed. If you're going to be facing Hicks left-handed, fine, but uh, you don't want to face a uh, right-handed Hicks in in that situation. So there was just a, you know, know the D.D. Gregorius had five hits and seven RBIs and became only the seventh Yankee in history to do that, and nobody remembers he was in the game, yeah. for goodness sake. It is incredible, all the things that happened. It, it was fantastic. And uh, I am sort of billing this as the seventh game of uh, 
of a Stanley Cup series here. When you go back to the four with Oakland, they're all, you know, all were there to win. And you had the heartbreaking losses and the great wins. And then this thing, the first two nights have been unbelievable. It's uh, it's as far as taking a seven-game hunk of the regular season schedule, and part of it, too, guys, is that the way relief pitchers are used now, the way pitchers are used, the way pitching is used, these things are more wars, more battles of attrition than they've ever been. Because, you know, back in the day, you might have a nice seven-game hockey or schedule, but the starter was giving you uh, uh, 75 or 80% of the innings instead of 50% of the innings. So it becomes this great battle of, uh, of um, attrition and, uh, you know, who can pitch tonight and who's on the plane coming up here. And I think the Yankees stuck with the same pitching staff. They put Sanchez on the DL, uh, but uh, I think they, I don't think they brought any new pitchers. One thing about the Twins boys, they're never going to see a Rollis Chapman that bad again, so I hope they enjoyed it. Too bad they couldn't win. Yeah, he's been brutal in July. He has like a nine-something ERA in the month of July. Uh, but He couldn't. He, I don't think he threw a slider that he didn't bounce. And, you know, he was throwing 98, and to get it over the plate, he was he backed her all the way down to 94 a couple of times. So, Pat, have you seen not- Rocco as, as hot as he was with the umpires during and after last night's game? I thought it was ill-timed by him. Uh, if you're mad at that pitch, don't wait to see what happens. Uh, go out and get him right then. You know, if you're mad that they didn't call that pitch to Duffy a strike, and that Duffy threw a strike, go get him then. But, you know, it, it looks like sour grapes when you wait for the next batter who is, you know, Didi is just tied the game or put him ahead. I can't remember which. Uh, then you go out there and, uh, you know, that's going to, you know, that, the umpires, that, that looks pretty classless to me. Uh, I pa- think you should, if you're, if you're upset in the moment, go get him in that moment and give him hell. Pat, my theory is the, the umpire, the whole thing played out in slow motion for the umpire. He sees that pitch coming in clear as day and he has a choice to make. He can call it a strike and he can please the 35,000 fans and the Aaron Boone videos going through his head from earlier yeah, in the week, no, and he I, can I be posterized. I honest to God think that that – I'm kind of kidding, but I think that that may be played in. Well, and they, earlier in the game, I saw him at least twice do this, that uh, the uh, uh, the batter turned around. Boy, it was one that might have been a twin another time. The bud the, – the batter turned around and looked at him and gave him, you know, said, geez, that's not a strike. And the next pitch was not as good as that pitch, and he called it a ball. I mean, he, he called it a ball. He, he was he was very subject to intimidation, that guy. Uh, Roman, Roman de Jesus, he's the first Dominican-born uh, guy to umpire in the big uh in the big leagues, but he first came up in 2016, and he's still not a full-timer, so that tells you that they know he's not very good, so... I'm glad to see, Pat, I'm glad to see that Byron Buxton is very close to coming back. I'm very confident that it's going to take no time. Yes, it's, uh, he should be. Uh, they're going to have information for us in Chicago. Uh, I was thinking the way things go. I, I, I predicted after Kepler's uh, night in center field and the fact that he doesn't look like he's, looks like he might have a sore arm or something, although they won't admit it. But I'm not surprised he's not playing tonight. I thought he had a rough night in center field. And I think he's had a rough homestand in center field. A lot of Twins fans are mad at me for tweeting that out. But, you know, he's a very good right fielder. 
And when Buxton plays center field, you have the best center fielder in baseball. And when he plays center field, you got a guy who's below average. So that's, uh, you know, that's quite a drop off. When Buxton's not on the field, they're a C defense and it might be a C minus defense in the field even in yeah. my opinion. Hey, the other thing from last night, just sort of the, the inner ball thing, if they were going to use, I don't think they planned on using Taylor Rogers going into the game because if they had planned on using him, they would have used him in the eighth inning when the, you know, when the game was on the line uh, and the lead was about to be blown. Instead, they I think they ran out of pitchers and they yeah. brought him in for the ninth inning at like 70%. He's clearly not a hundred percent, or he, he's worn out in some capacity. I, what was your read on it? Uh, yeah, well, it's just that's what I mean. They don't trust anybody. Who, who are you going to trust? You know, I mean, it's uh, uh, to me, Duffy's their second best reliever right now because Ryan Harper all of a sudden that slow, slow swap isn't working as well as it was. And uh, you know, I mean, you saw what happened when you put Cole Stewart in the game. So they really. He wanted to win the game, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he, when he saw that ball come off Ixbad, he, he had a heart attack. And uh, he's, you know, obviously Rogers won't pitch tonight, although he wouldn't admit that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what was the other option? I, I, I don't know what they would have done to try to get through the bottom of the top of, uh, to get through the top of the ninth. I don't know what they would have tried to do. Hey, real quick, where does where does Cole Stewart rank among? First round, like high, high in the first round busts in Twins history. Not like like Hudson Boyd was a little further down. Yeah, later on. Well, Tyler J sixth. He was the sixth overall pick. Oh man, Gold Stewart's the fourth overall pick. So you got two of them bunched up right there. Gold uh, uh, Stewart was probably a reach because he's a high school pitcher who had a, and they had to give him a lot of money because he was going to go to Texas A and M and replace uh, Johnny Football. As the quarterback, and uh, they gave a lot of money, but yeah, he's you know he got called up last time he got called up, not this time because he's been up and down. But he had a game in Rochester where he went like four and a third, nine hits, seven or eight runs. Then he gets called up like two days later. I want a meritocracy here. I want, I don't want you just because you're a warm body. You know, let's uh, you know don't don't get. I, I don't know. They're just really hurt. They're, yeah. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, they when you're when you're calling up 36 year old Carlos Torres, who you signed about three weeks ago, I think uh, that's uh, that's a sign of desperation. Even though Rocco says it's not. Yep, uh, Pat, we we got to run. By the way, Levi Michael is still in the professional baseball. He's playing for the San Francisco Giants Double A affiliate. Speaking of first round really? bus, Good yeah, 29 years old. Very another fine draft. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk tomorrow. Get those, uh, get those guys whose upside is utility infield. That's what we want <laughs> yep. in the first round. Go back. Gr- a great era of Twins draft picks, man. Poll results. Are you saying bring bring on the Yankees in the playoffs? Eh. A lot of nervous Twins fans. Looks like what's the forty-five percent of people. Actually, it's down to forty percent that say I'd rather not. And what what about bring it on? Fifty.